Well, good morning. Yeah, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Dave Heinrichs. I'm one of the pastors here. And we are uh, coming near the end of our series in the book of Daniel. This morning we are in chapter 10. And then next week we're going to close it off with chapters 11 and 12. And I hope uh, that you have been encouraged and that you have seen this, that just the great themes of God's sovereignty, how it's been worked out through the lives of Daniel and his friends while they've been in exile, but also how they've been able to maintain their faithfulness while living in a land that is not their home. And I hope it's been encouraging for, for each one of us and a challenge how we can remain faithful to God, even though we are still, we're living in exile as we await uh, the home that we were built for. When I was 20 years old, I traveled to Australia. I went with a friend from Bible college. It was supposed to be the trip of a lifetime, right? We had planned this all out. We had our working passports. We were supposed to be gone for a year. But things didn't turn out the way that I had expected. Three months into this trip, I found myself let down, alone, discouraged, without anyone to turn to. Everyone that I could depend on was halfway around the world, and I felt completely helpless. And it was just at that moment, that lowest point, that I received a letter from home, from my dad. He wrote about some of the difficulties I had spoke to, uh, with him on the phone about. My struggles and my worries. He said how much my mom and him loved me, how they were praying for me, and that in a way he told me about even though things were difficult for me now, he, he encouraged me that I had a future. And that letter for me was, it was like a revelation. It was like the first time someone who's visually impaired puts on a pair of glasses. You know, it doesn't change your circumstances, but it completely changes how you see things. Now, I may not have had a friend in Australia, but I was not alone, and I wasn't helpless. And that letter, it fortified me. It helped me to endure the toughest thing that I had gone through up until that point in my young life. And perhaps today, you find yourself going through something difficult. Maybe you're struggling with discouragement about things that are happening in your life, at work or at home. Maybe it's in a relationship. But despite our circumstances and how they may appear, you're not alone. You're not helpless either. Here in the book of Daniel, in chapter 10, Daniel is also feeling weak and helpless. But there's good news for him and good news for us too. Despite how things may appear, we can take courage. We are not in this alone. Heaven helps. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Daniel chapter 10. It says this, In the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who is called Belshazzar. Its message was true and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of that 
first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, and his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at the great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. A hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words that I'm about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up trembling. Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of Persia, the prince of the Persian kingdom, resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face towards the ground and was speechless. Then one who looked like a man touched my lips, and I opened my mouth and began to speak. I said to the one standing before me, I am overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord, and I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. So he said, Do you know why I have come to you? Soon I will return to fight against the prince of Persia, and when I go, the prince of Greece will come, but first I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this chapter, it starts out with Daniel saying that he's been mourning for three weeks. Along with this, he's been fasting. The text isn't explicit about why Daniel is mourning. Perhaps it's because of this vision that he's received, but or it could have happened something previous to this is why he's been in mourning. I think it could be because of the message the angel Gabriel delivered to him that we talked about in last week's passage. You see, Daniel was hoping and praying that Israel's time in exile was almost at an end after 70 years, but God sent Gabriel to tell Daniel that the exile had just begun and that it would continue for a long time. But regardless of this, whatever it is that causes Daniel to mourn, he had his hopes up, but now he's feeling discouragement. And discouragement, it's bound to happen to us as well. And it's okay for us to grieve and mourn like Daniel. As Christians, we don't have to slap a smile on our face or post 10 photos of the good life on Instagram. We don't have to pretend that everything is okay. With God, you and I, we can be authentic 
about how we're feeling. We don't have to gloss it over. But just because we grieve, it doesn't mean that we cannot be proactive. Daniel doesn't just throw himself a pity party. Instead, verses 3 and 12 indicate that Daniel was fasting in his time of grief and disappointment, not just sulking. Now, fasting is where one denies themselves something, most often it's food, for the sake of a spiritual purpose. It isn't merely this act of self-deprivation, but it's a spiritual discipline of feeding on the Holy Spirit. And one fasts in order to seek more of God and fasting in his time of, uh, and seeking more of the fullness of God and an answer to prayer. Now, fasting, it's not mandated in scriptures. However, when Jesus addressed it, he assumed that his believers would do it when he instructs them about it in Matthew 6. He says, when you fast, do not look somber. Notice he doesn't say, if you fast. Fasting is all about aligning our physical body with our soul's desire. Fasting uh, is about, sorry, one person I read put it this way. In fasting, the great hunger of the heart and mind for answered prayer permeates the body itself. I like that. In fasting, the great hunger of the heart and mind for answered prayer permeates the body itself. Now, I don't think this makes us any more persuasive to God in having him answer our prayers or somehow makes our prayers more effective. No, but perhaps it's when we take our circumstances seriously enough to do something like fast that we are more effective in coming to and being in prayer. But it's on the heels of his prayer and fasting that Daniel receives this vision while standing on the banks of the Tigris River. Now for Daniel, this isn't the first time that he has received a vision or a revelation from God. Sometimes we think this kind of thing happens all of the time in the Bible, but that's not true. These types of experiences are rare in scripture, but the fact that Daniel has been privy to several of these heavenly vision makes his story all the more unique. But it's a good reminder for ourselves that revelation and visions like these, they're not intended to give the audience some step-by-step -step account of how future history will unfold or specific dates or events, but rather what these visions do is they pull back the curtain and reveal this spiritual world that coexists right alongside our physical world. In this passage, we should recognize that there is this connection between Daniel's prayer and this vision that he receives. So there is a link between our physical world and the spiritual dimension. What we experience and what we do here, it has this symbiotic-like relationship with this world that we cannot see but is real as the one that we live in. In verse 12, the angel says to Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. So Daniel prays on earth, and something happens in heaven. We see a similar type of cause and effect relationship happening in God's throne room in Revelation chapter 8. It says there that the, the prayers of God's people went up to God kind of like incense, 
and that it resulted in thunder and lightning and an earthquake on the earth. The Bible's understanding of the universe is that there are two spheres, and that one of these spheres influences the other, and vice versa. And that what happens here impacts the spiritual realm, and what happens there in the spiritual realm, it impacts us here. For those of you who might be fans of the television show Stranger Things, it's kind of like the upside down. It's this dimension where one impacts the other. But it's these rare glimpses in Scripture of this world beyond ours that gives us a window into this relationship, and it reminds you and I that there is more going on than just meets our eyes. But it should also remind us that we're not in this alone. We're not alone. See, Daniel's prayers are heard. They're just not offered up to oblivion or empty space, right? Rather, they are offered up to his heavenly Father who hears his prayers, who cares about Daniel, and who responds to them. You know, I read data earlier in the pandemic uh, that Google internet searches for prayer have surged to their highest level since they started collecting that data. So people in this time have been turning to prayer because they have not wanted to be alone in all of this right? God hears them. They aren't alone. And though we might lament a lot of things about this pandemic that we have experienced, a lot of losses that have come our way, we need to recognize that God has given Christians this great opportunity to share with other people that they are not alone and that heaven helps. In this vision, it's not clear to all Bible scholars whether Daniel sees one heavenly being or whether he sees two. It seems to me that he sees two. That there's one that appears to him in verses 4 to 9, and then there's another that appears in verses 10 to 20. The first description Daniel gives us is of the man who appears to him above the river, who is dressed in fine linen with a gold belt. His body is like topaz, which is a precious gem his face like lightning, his eyes like flames, arms and legs of burnished bronze, and a voice like the sound of a multitude. Now, for those of us who are familiar with Scripture, particularly the book of Revelation, you may see similarities to the vision that the Apostle John received when he was in prison on the island of Patmos, and it was the vision of the glorified Jesus. John writes in Revelation 1, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was like white wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Though there are differences in these descriptions, the similarities between the two is remarkable. Then Daniel goes on to tell us that even though he was in the presence of others at the river, no one else saw this vision. This is kind of reminiscent of what happened to Saul when he was on the road to Damascus before he became Paul, when he was persecuting the church. And the resurrected Jesus appeared to him in a vision. And in Acts 9 verse 7, it says that the men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but they didn't see anyone. 
So what is this? Is this a theophany? Is this an appearance by the Son of God himself, the pre-incarnate Jesus on the shores of the Tigris? Or maybe this is a vision of the Almighty himself or one of his angels. It's no good speculating. We just don't know. But here's what we do know. Daniel, in his grief and in his struggle, he's not alone. Heaven has sent help. It's just like when his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego back in chapter 3, when they were tossed in the fiery furnace for their faithfulness to God, Nebuchadnezzar looks up and he sees a fourth person in there. It says, who looks like a son of the gods. And we don't know who they are either, but whomever it was in the fire with them, whether it was God himself or his representative, either way you look at it, heaven sent help. They were not alone and neither are we. Here in chapter 10, Daniel is left staring at this vision of this overwhelming heavenly figure and he says, I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. And then I heard him speaking and as I listened, I fell into a deep sleep and my face to the ground. And I gotta say, friends, as a preacher, this brings me a lot of comfort that I'm not the only one people fall asleep to when they're listening. Seriously, if my face was gleaming and eyes of fire and a voice like a multitude, some of you would still fall asleep on Sunday morning. <laughs> but it's more likely that rather than falling asleep, Daniel fainted. Rather, he, you know, the reason Daniel faints is he's terrified. And this is the typical response that people have in scriptures when they encounter heavenly beings. You go throughout all these texts where an angel shows up. It's not like, oh, sweet. It's like, I'm dead. They fall down because they fear what's going to happen. And in verse 10, it seems a new heavenly figure arrives. First known to Daniel by touch, not by sight, as he helps Daniel to go from lying on his face to getting up on his hands and knees. And then his appearance in verse 16 is one who looked like a man. Now listen to this angel's words in verse 11. He said, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed, consider carefully the words I'm about to speak to you and stand up for now I've been sent to you. You who are highly esteemed. He says it again in verse 19. You who are highly esteemed. It's the same thing that the angel Gabriel told Daniel back in chapter 9, verse 23. And these words here for highly esteemed, it's the words the Bible uses for the word covet, treasured. Daniel is valued. He's loved. Daniel is treasured by God. And so these messengers, they restate Daniel's incredible worth to God because in his distress, I am sure that Daniel felt alone. He felt neglected. Perhaps he even felt abandoned by God. And so he needs to hear this again and again and again, that he is treasured. And maybe that's what you need to hear this morning, that God has not abandoned us that he loves us, that God loves you, and that you are cherished by him. You are his precious possession. 
This angel goes on to tell Daniel that his prayers were heard by God right away and that he was sent immediately in response to them. But he was delayed for 21 days in a struggle with the prince or the king of Persia until Michael came to help him. Now, this is really strange and curious. But it's another glimpse into this spiritual world that coexists right alongside ours and that impacts ours, but is also impacted by us. You see, the prince of the Persian kingdom or the king of Persia, it's not referring to the human king of Persia, but rather to the evil angelic forces that oppose God and his angels in the heavenly realms. He's referred to as a prince just like the angel Michael is referred to as a prince in verse 13. Now, the reason this demonic angel is associated with the kingdom of Persia is that the Bible teaches us that there are spiritual powers, both good and evil, behind human activity and institutions. Now, this doesn't mean that we humans aren't responsible for our actions, but it does remind us that behind every sinister government system, every corrupt corporation or evil individual, there lurks a diabolical force that manipulates, emboldens, and tempts people to oppose the flourishing of their fellow human beings and to rebel against God. Paul says in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So this angel's message to Daniel helps us to understand why we sometimes don't get an immediate answer to our prayers from God. Responses can be delayed because there is more going on than what's happening just in our world. Now, some people may scoff at this, or they may question God's abilities. Now, the Bible clearly teaches that God is all-powerful and he's omnipresent, which means that he can be everywhere at once. But the Bible also tells us that God doesn't choose to work alone, that he chooses to partner with his creation and not to do everything himself. God uses both angels and people to answer prayer. And both angels and people can be delayed or opposed in carrying out God's will, which are his answers to other people's prayers. Now, after this angel describes why he was long in coming to Daniel, Daniel says in verse 16 to 19, he says, I'm overcome with anguish because of the vision, my Lord. I feel very weak. How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Again, the one who looked like a man touched me and gave me strength. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed, he said. Peace. Be strong now. Be strong. And when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. You have given me strength. I, I love this part. First, because... When Daniel is so overcome with anguish, he's so stressed out, he's lost for words, and when he, he can't speak, but when he finally does, it's this vulnerable confession of weakness. But the angel doesn't chastise or rebuke Daniel for him, for doing that. Instead, he touches Daniel. He gives him his strength, and he tells him, don't be afraid. 
You're loved. You have God's peace, so be strong, be courageous. It's the same refrain that is given to God's people time and time again in the scriptures. Be strong, be courageous. But here's the thing. God's people are never told to toughen up. They're not told to summon up the courage from within, right? They don't muster up their own strength. Rather, the source of their strength and courage always comes from heaven. Deuteronomy 31.6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's the reason that they can be strong and courageous. God is our source of strength and courage. All we need to do is turn to him. So it's okay if we feel weak. We aren't expected to summon up the strength and courage ourselves, but instead we're called to turn to God. The Apostle Paul, he admitted to being weak himself in 2 Corinthians 12. Well, more than admitted, rather he boasted about it because Jesus said to him, my power is made perfect in weakness. So Paul's idea was like, well, if Christ's power is made perfect in weakness, well, then I should boast about it because when I'm weak, that's when I'm really strong. And so you might feel weak or helpless in whatever troubling or difficult circumstances you might be going through. But God's message to Daniel and to Paul and to you and I is that we can take courage. We're not in this alone and that heaven is here to help us. The greatest help that heaven ever sent was when God sent his son Jesus. Just as God sent his angels to Daniel because Daniel was cherished, God sent Jesus into this world because God loves this world and he loves all the people in it, including you and me. John 3.17 tells us that God sent his son into the world in order to save the world through him. And then Colossians 2 says that not only did Christ save the world, but he actually won the cosmic battle in the spiritual realm as well. Having disarmed the powers and authorities, it says he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. There's another situation where something that happens on the earth has a big impact in the spiritual realm. And this means that we do not have to be afraid of things either here on earth or things in the spiritual realm. We don't need to be afraid if we are trusting and following Jesus. With him, we can have courage, and his spirit is within us, and so we are never alone. We always have, have the help of heaven at hand. Our role is to be actively turning to God as the source of our strength and courage, our peace and comfort. But there's a lot of things that I know we turn to other than God when we are looking for comfort when we're feeling stressed out. I know for myself, when I'm feeling stressed out, I'm, I'm tempted to turn to things that distract me, right? My phone or, or sports. Other people, they might turn to keeping busy, right? With more work or, or busying themselves with a whole bunch of people around them. Other people turn to more destructive things for comfort or relief from their anxiety and troubles. Things like pornography or, or drugs and alcohol. 
But you know, none of these things that any of us turn to for comfort and courage that we desire, none of them will gratify our longings. They may soothe us for a moment, but most of these things will either leave us dissatisfied or feeling even worse, ashamed. Even other people are going to let you down because they will have their limitations. But the help that heaven sent, it's so close at hand. Galatians 4 says, because you are his children, God has sent his spirit, his, the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit of God is in our hearts. He is right there within us. We just need to turn to him. And God's help isn't limited, and it won't leave us dissatisfied or disappointed. 2 Thessalonians 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. And then 1 John 5, This is the confidence that we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. So I want to encourage you to place or keep placing your hope and your trust in Jesus and to actively turn to him in your moments of need when you're feeling anxious. This is what Daniel did. Like him, we should set our minds to gain understanding and to humble ourselves before God. And so I would encourage you, if it's not already your practice, to try doing this every single day, right? Find a quiet place of solitude if you can, away from the busyness of others or distractions like your phone, and set your eyes on his word and on Jesus in prayer. Maybe in this season, you want to try something like practicing fasting like Daniel did. Maybe you want to try one meal a week, or maybe for a whole day in order to align your body with your soul's desire. I'd encourage you that if you're healthy, uh, to give it a try. And if you'd like to know more, I put a link on, should be the slide above me. There we go. It's called practicingtheway.org, and they've got resources all about fasting. But for each one of us, when the troubling times come, and unfortunately, they will come for each one of us, when we're feeling overwhelmed or frustrated or discouraged, we need to come to Jesus remembering that his strength is perfected in our weakness. That he welcomes us to come because you are cherished and he desires to exchange the burdens that you're carrying for his yoke, which is easy, and his burden, which is light. So we can take courage. We're not in this alone. And heaven helps. 